All right. Good morning again. Uh, last week, we, uh, we, started a four, we started a new uh, sermon series, a four-week series on gospel movement and on what it means to be a gospel movement church. And this is a super fun one because we've been involved in our own uh, city gospel movement, and the main catalyst for that has been the One Hope Network. And of course, we're super, super lucky here because we have the directors of the One Hope Network as part of our congregation. So what in the world would we be doing if we tried to preach on gospel movement without having Steve and Patty Buss preach one Sunday morning, don't you think? So I feel like you guys know them pretty well by now, but it is such an honor to have them in our family. It's such an honor to call these guys friends, and it's such an honor to be able to learn from them. So let's give a warm Christ Center welcome to people who are a part of our congregation, Stephen Patty Boss. Thank you, Jason. Amen. So kind of you. Thank you. It is such a joy to be a part of this tribe. And a big part of, of the reason we're a part of this tribe is because this tribe has been moving in the gospel movement probably since we've been engaged with it since we uh, moved here. In 1994, really a curveball, God called Steve and I to Eugene, which is a longer story than we're going to tell today, but it was a curveball. But in being called there, I can remember early on in the first, I'm going to say even weeks of being there, we're like, Lord, what do you want to do in this city? We were called to be a part of a church that we were on staff with, but there was always this question, and I don't blame it on anyone but God putting that question in us. We began to ask him, what do you want to do in this city? And quite honestly, I don't think we've quit asking. And so that's what gospel movement is about. I'm going to just recap real quick a couple of things that Jason gave us last week for those who weren't here. City gospel movement, although it's a new, maybe a new term, it's, a, it's, it's not, it's, uh, it's a new paradigm, but it's an ancient path. And Jason defined it this way. Do we have it up there? Yeah. Yes. A united, holistic effort of the church working together to seek the peace and prosperity of their city. He also shortened it, condensed it. Sometimes we say gospel movement is this. The whole church in a community taking the whole gospel to the whole city together. And then Jason quickly took us to look through Jeremiah, where it's the story of the, the uh, Hebrews who were carried away in exile to Babylon. They were in a place of, where the culture and the customs did not match theirs, and in fact were hostile. They were in captivity. And this was the message that God gave to them when they were there. It was actually a directive. There's just a tiny bit of feedback. Are you hearing that out there? Okay. Mm -hmm. I, if it bugs you, tell somebody, tell me. Yeah. Okay. And this is the directive God gave them. Ready? We'll look at this, Jeremiah 29.5. God said, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat from their produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, I want to just pause a second on this scripture because those words praying for the peace and prosperity um, and in its prosperity, both of those, all of those words are actually the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is a word that is so broad and so comprehensive. We don't have English words that match it. We have to say a whole plethora of them. And so I want you to grab this because there's such depth of what God is directing his people to do in this city. Shalom means this a state of wholeness, wellness, happiness, peace, prosperous, flourishing. It's this all-encompassing well-being. And so in this passage, we hear God's heart for cities and for people in cities. We also see God's heart to partner 
with his people in cities for these things to take place. And then we also see something here about our original design as co-laborers with God. We as God's people are co-laborers to create culture and to cultivate culture and to bring blessing. This actually goes back to our original design in Genesis 1 where God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in the garden and says, now be fruitful, multiply. This is an echoing back to the original design for his people. Cultivate, steward. In other words, how it goes in a city really depends on how it goes with the church. And this scripture has been a framework and a guiding scripture for us in the gospel movement in Lane County. Now today, as we talk about gospel movement, we're going to just focus on a couple of things. And I'm going to turn it over to Steve, who's going to look at love and unity as the core and the foundation from which everything else moves. And I do want to say this as he, before he goes there. When we talk about gospel movement, we're not talking about something that we create because the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing since the days of John the Baptist. Gospel movement is God's movement on the globe and we are joining him in his plans. We are aligning with what he is doing on the globe. So it's not like us working hard to make movement happen. We're just jumping in with him and there's a synergistic effect in our cities. So what we're talking about really, and just to clarify, is all the believers who live in our shared geography. Everyone who follows Christ in our community. So we're saying Central Lane County. We're going to be um, using the word city. Sometime we're going to use the word community. But it's all the believers. So when you look at the New Testament and the word for church, which is ecclesia, and Joshua is going to expound on that um, here in the coming weeks, the predominant use of the word ecclesia has to do with all the believers in a city. Church is not something that you go to in the New Testament. You are the church. We are the church. And other uses of the word church, there's the church that meets at Priscilla and Aquila's house. There's the church universal worldwide. But predominantly when the word church is used, it is used in the context to all the believers in Rome. So Paul's writing to all the believers in Rome. He's writing to all the believers in Philippi, not just the pockets of small groups that were meeting in homes. He was addressing one group of people. So all the one another scriptures, all the commands in the New Testament are designed to be lived out in community within the context of a city. There's one church in our community. Think of it as there's one group of people who are following Christ where we live. And we together are the church. That is the biblical and spiritual reality that we live in. That is the more complete paradigm of who we are and what God is doing. He is working through us at Christ Center. He's working through all of the churches that honor and follow Jesus. So that is the paradigm that church is used. So we want to see that paradigm. We want to operate from that paradigm. Christ Center is a vital part of the local church of our community. So I want to um, sh look at some scriptures so that we are really clear and simple. So of all of these Jesus followers who go to many different congregations really are to be unified how complex is that? There's nuances in denominational theology. There's preferences in worship style. How can this diverse group of individual local churches actually join together to become unified? Well, we have to find our unity in a North Star. Not a specific roadmap where we turn right, where we turn left. There's got to be a north star that all the followers of Christ can focus on so that we can align. And once we have a north star, we need ways to engage together. So I want to talk about some scriptures that make it simple and clear 
so that we can join together. I'm going to be reading from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. The apostle says this, and this is his command. He's talking about Jesus. This is John talking about Jesus years later. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. That is an awesome, clarifying summary for everyone who follows Jesus. That's it. That's it, folks. If you can do that, you can follow Christ successfully. We're commanded to believe in Jesus. What a gift we have. We can't even begin to grasp the gift that, we've ha- that we have, that we've been forgiven, that we've been given a new life, We have a new character. We have a new soul within us. And that soul gets to be carried into eternity. We get glimpses. We get a deposit of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to give us glimpses of what God is like and what eternal life is like. But Jesus has purchased us from sin, from Satan, and from death. And just in case we didn't know, we're all powerless against those things. You're powerless, people against sin. You can't overcome it. You're powerless against the devil. There are spiritual forces that are aligned against people that you and I are completely powerless against. And we are powerless against death. Jesus took care of our sin. He disarmed our enemy and he conquered death. And we are reunited with him forever. Starting now, eternal life, interaction with him happens now and forever. What a gift to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Embrace that gift. That's his command. And then the second part is so universally clear throughout all of scripture and especially in the New Testament to love one another as he commanded us. In John, here are the words of Jesus. We just read the words of John. These are the words of Jesus. So this is what John was referring to. Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's just leave that verse up for a minute. So this is a brand new command that, again, we're powerless to do. It's not love one another. It's love one another the way Jesus loves us. And so that is a self-sacrificing, supernatural love that, again, in and of ourselves, we are incapable of doing. We need God in order to love like that. How many of you know we need to have our love bucket filled up with God's grace to be able to love? to be able to forgive, to self-sacrifice for other people's highest good. That's the kind of love that we're commanded, we're commanded by Jesus to engage. And again, there's one new command in the New Testament. That's it right there. There's one new command. Out of Jesus' mouth, that's what it is. So if we can embrace that truth, that truth, that new command is so clear throughout the New Testament. And believing in Jesus as the Son of God is so clear in the New Testament. When those two priorities align, that we're believing in Jesus and loving like he commanded us, it brings us to a place where we can be in unity. We can agree, as, as Jason and Joshua talked about, there are these three buckets. There are these, uh, there's this essential bucket of theology and belief that we all, they're essential components of our faith. And this is quite simply a wonderful way and a clear way. We're going to believe in Jesus and love one another. So that gives us the ability to have a North Star. Whether you go to... Willamette Christian Center in Eugene or Cove in Eugene or First Baptist Church in Junction City. Whatever church you go to, we are believing in Jesus and loving one another as he commanded us. So that provides a basis that we all can simply agree. And so from that point, now how does that get worked out? 
how does that get worked out? Well, before we go and start to share some stories, I want to just read from John 17, because this needs to be in our foundation and in our practice as well. John 17, verse 20 through 23. Jesus is praying, and he says this, Father, may they, meaning all of us who, who would believe in him, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I think that's the last part. That's verse 23, but that, I think that's what we're getting. So in that portion of scripture, Jesus begins by saying, he prays that we would be one as the Father and Son are one so that the world would believe. Then he prays that we would be one so the world would know. So our unity is the backdrop for the rest of the community to know that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, Jesus is praying right here for us that we would be unified and that unity results in a witness that Jesus is who he says he is. It's an essential part of our practice as we follow Christ together. So why is love and unity so important to have amongst believers in a community? I mean, obviously what we're hearing, Jesus' words are enough. Father, I pray they'd be one. Father, make them one as you and I are one and we must love one another. But I think sometimes we haven't perhaps delve deeper into what are the implications? What are the implications? Or in another way of saying it, what's up for grabs? What's at stake when there's a siloed body of Christ in a community that doesn't know or love each other? And let me say this, what we're not talking about is everybody coming to start going to Autzen Stadium to church. Okay, all the believers, one church, ready, go. That's not what we're talking about. So I want to erase that because God does have, as, the, as we've talked many times here, beautiful expressions of families of followers. Just like in this body, there are many of us who make the one body family called Christ Center. There are many congregations that form the one body in Lane County. And I will offer to you that over the years, we've been able to see how different strengths of each of those tribes help build the others up in love. It's beautiful. Just like you have an assignment right down to the macro level for, to be, bring strength to this body, this group, Christ Center, has a strength and a redemptive gift, a gracing that brings strength to the broader body of Christ. God is amazing how he does this stuff. It's beautiful. So we love and we honor the diversity of the body of Christ. But I want us to think about for a minute, what are the implications? And I want that to be fuel for our fire. So number one, Jesus told us first and foremost, it's going to authenticate the gospel. It's going to authenticate the message. I don't want in that club where those people are fighting with each other. I, I'll go to Rotary. We have to be real about this. We have to be real and take long, honest, hard looks at ourselves at times and say, God, build your church. Change me. Cast a matter to us. It authenticates the gospel. I can't tell you how many times in the last few years doing Project Hope and there's 40 different churches. No, there's 50 churches that often work together in the last 13 years on Project Hope. 10 here, 10 at that location, 10 at this one. And every time, I'll tell you, this comes up every year. Someone from the community, it's an administrator, it's a hairdresser, it's a restaurant donating food. They'll just be like, what church are you guys from? They'll always say that. And it's so fun to go, oh, we're from a lot of churches. We all follow Jesus. It's a paradigm shift for the unbeliever. It's a witness to the unbeliever. Another reason our unity is so important. It really is a precursor, almost a prophetic precursor to what's going to happen when Jesus returns. So the book of Ephesians, honestly, is all about the church's design and unity. And Paul got a revelation. I'm not going to go in, but the, you just dive into it. The first three chapters are all about the revelation he gets. And the next three, four, five, and six are all about now how do you respond to it. It's where we get, make every effort, keep, keep the unity of the spirit. 
But one of the reasons we are a precursor in our unity is because Paul says this in Ephesians 1. God has revealed to me the mystery of his plan regarding Christ to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Jesus. Everything in heaven and on earth. That's the end game. That's where this is all going. Jesus will be king and all things will be made a right under him. And so us practicing and, and stepping into that now is a prophetic precursor. If we go on in Ephesians number three, another implication, there's a staggering revelation here that our unity isn't just about us right here. This is fascinating, and I won't have time to go into the depth, but I encourage you to. Ephesians 3.10, Paul says this, this mystery that has been made known to me is that now through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. We've all been made members of one body on the earth, sharers in the promise of Jesus. And then he says this, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He does use the saints to reveal his wisdom to the angelic beings. We are part of a galactic cosmic situation, people. I mean, we are. It's crazy stuff. It's also so practical that it's like putting a seed in the ground and planting a garden. It's that earthy, but it is so cosmic and so beyond us. And there's something that angels are looking at when they see a fallen, broken mankind restored into the image of Jesus and reconciled to one another in one man's broken body. I'm going to let that one just be your study for the week because we don't have time to go into it. But it's significant because there's more going on than meets the eye. Wowza, that's all I can say on that one. Psalm 133 is another great implication for us to consider the unity of the church in our region. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. What is it like? It is like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded his blessing, blessing even life evermore. It is a blessing when we dwell together in unity. More than it is a blessing, it's good, it's pleasant, but what is it like? It's like the anointing, the aromatic priestly anointing. And it's, it's, it's an anointing that's generous. It's poured on the head, running down the beard. It's mature. It runs down on the robes, and it's, it's an abundant anointing, a fragrant anointing. And it's like refreshing dew, when that unity happens, it says there, when unity happens, God commanded his blessing. In other words, there's already a commanded from God blessing that's awaiting God's people to enter into that unity. When we are operating and functioning in unity, God has already commanded a blessing to happen. And again, we can talk about unity in a family. When that unity happens in a family, there's a blessing on a family. When that unity happens in a local congregation, there's a blessing that's commanded. But think of this, people. When the Christ followers in a city are unified, then there's a commanded blessing on those people and upon the city in which they live. We are in charge of entering into the blessing and leading our community members, leading the neighborhoods, the businesses, the organizations. How are they going to see Christ? 
As we function in unity, it creates that backdrop, as Jesus said. As we function in unity, God commands a blessing upon us and where we live. You see, spiritual empowerment comes when we believe and obey the scripture. And spiritual empowerment, spiritual empowerment comes, that's part of that anointing in that commanded blessing. That oil represents the empowerment. There's a measure of empowerment. And you guys, we've seen this in the last 13 years or longer. I mean, God, there's, been a, there's been some movement of unity. We're just building on the shoulders of those who've come before us. And we're going to need to pass this, this DNA joining together on to the next generations because it's God's plan. Again, we don't create it, but we yield to it. We yield to it. And I will say this, the key to unity is humility. Just apply that in your own life and in every place where there's division. I'm just, it's that simple. I don't have to do a big theological study. The key to unity is humility. Let's just, let's just eat that word. <laughs> Let's just eat that word. And you can understand what breaks unity then, can't you? Yes, we can. Okay, so our unity is a reality that we don't create, but we lean into. And it's not just to sit around and say, kumbaya. The reason that unity is so important is because it enables this body of Christ to move together and to function. It's to be operational and it's to be synergistic, and it's to create something. So together in these last years, we've moved in unity together with over 80 churches, praying together regularly. Seek the peace and prosperity. Pray for your community. We serve together as God highlights things. We share the gospel together. I want to just give you a couple of pictures real quick because... And if this is something I've ever said here before, just say, heard that one, okay? Because sometimes we don't remember, but we have this unique optic of being on around a broad part of the body of Christ. So sometimes we forget what we see. We don't, we forget not everybody sees this or not everybody heard this. So the first story I want to tell you happened probably about five, six years ago. It was an evening, nine o'clock. I get a phone call. We've from Roxy. I'm just going to use her first name, and she wouldn't care if she saw this on the video. She'd love it. Roxy goes to the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Springfield. I have no reason to know Roxy. We don't work together. We're not in the same age strata. We don't go to the same church. We might even believe a little different on the Sabbath. But I know Roxy because we've worked together and served our city together and prayed together. And I love her. I really do love her. She's a doll. She called me, and she's like, Patty, I, I got to tell you something. Our church got a donation of all of these toys from Toys R Us. I don't know what we're going to do with them. I don't know why we got them. But I just felt like the Lord kept saying to me, call you, call you. And I'm like, okay, okay, Roxy, all right. So the first thing I thought of was, hmm, maybe every child, um, you know, they've got a Christmas party coming up. I wonder, Lord, could that be the thing? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll let you know, Roxy. Thank you so much. Let's just see. Hung up, called my friend Kristen, who leads every child, you know Kristen, and I um, said, hey, how is that Christmas party coming? What's going on? We're set. There's an organization out of Portland that always donated the, the toys, and okay. So no need there. I have nothing. I'm scratching my head, but I just said, but I sensed from the Lord like, eh, I'm doing something. So I just called Roxy back. I said, Roxy, I don't have an answer, but let's just sit tight on those for a couple days. Let's see what the Lord's doing. The next day... The next day, Kristen gets a call from the group that's providing all the toys for every child, and they say, oh, we're not going to be able to do it by the date you need this year. God, way ahead of us, always, working through a, un a united body. We can't orchestrate that stuff. Here's the abundance of the Lord being shared between the believers for what? For the well-being and the shalom, for a Christmas party for foster kids who were gonna be meeting with their bio parents to celebrate Christmas. And that every child and the churches were gonna be providing the gifts for the bio parents to give the child, to provide this place to create a memory. We're praying for 
believing for, serving towards the well-being of our community. One simple, okay? During COVID, obviously it was a back, it was a dark backdrop um, for so many things. But just like a diamond, when you put it on the back of a, you know, black velvet, it's so clear. I feel like COVID showed us the muscularity of a united church in our community. There might have been more of your experience of seeing, oh, the church divided and struggles, and we know that happened. And that's why I'm telling this story. Because, because churches had been working together, we saw a body of Christ, and when I say muscularity, move together to step into spaces and meet needs of families. In April, the schools closed, and the, church, and, and the schools did not have a plan for that. And law, and, and, and all of these different schools and administrators and teachers knew this is going to be very bad for the families who are living at poverty level, whose children eat both of their meals at our school, who have food insecurity. And law prohibited educators to go to those students' homes. God already had a plan. Because for the last 10 years, there's been 30 to 40 churches partnering together with the local schools, Junction City, Springfield, Eugene. And the school districts reached out to One Hope. And I want to say this, they know when they call One Hope, they're not calling Steve and I, oh, that's a part of our role, but they know they're calling on a united body. And they called and they said, we've got families we're not going to be able to get food to, and we know this is going to be bad. And, and we're not going back to school, and we don't have a plan. And within five days, they had given us names and addresses of vulnerable families, and 80 people and households had been mobilized to take food every week to a family they'd never maybe connect with. Can God set up those things? Only God. Can you imagine? You guys, and I can't even begin to tell you the stories of what happened. There were people who were taking, they, they got an address from Ecclesia. And these were believers from all different churches. And there was a family that got an address from Ecclesia. And they said, oh, we'll take an address of a family near us. And every week they're going to show up and bring them food for the week. This couple gets there. And it's a young woman they led to the Lord years ago. They'd taken her off the streets. She lived with them. They led her to Jesus. But they'd lost touch over the years. Guess what? Now they're visiting her and bringing her food. They had, didn't have any idea where she was. You guys, who sets these things up? Only God. But if the schools had called and just said, hey, we know Northwood does a really good job partnering with Guy Lee, but gosh, actually, we have these families everywhere. I don't think that they, they could not just pull on Northwood to infect the king, the leaven of God infecting the community with saturating believers going to places that schools couldn't get to, but they knew the church could. There was another person, I just have to say it because it was so significant. There was another person who week after week went, and you know, there were people praying with these families. One lady showed up and she told me, Patty, this woman had an um, a ill mother living with her. Um, she was on hospice, and the mother had just passed. And this volunteer bringing food was the first person to be there. You guys, this was like God putting the church in some of the most beautiful places in significant times. One other thing I'll just share just for sake of time. There's so many of those stories that I could share about what happened during COVID that I don't think we always see because the enemy wants us to see what is ugly. And we have got to get trained to see in the other realm. We have got to get more aware of what the kingdom of God is doing because it's, there's a lot. And so Lord, help us. There was a teacher after COVID who got back to school. She's a believer. And of course, you all know many kids had a lot of issues. They didn't socialize for a while. They were anxious. They got back into school. They're behind. And there were a lot of behavioral issues. And the first year back was rough. The second year, the beginning of the year, she said, I'm going to find 
the other teachers who are believers in my sphere where God's called me to work, and I am going to ask them, I'm telling them I'm going to pray in my room every day um, right before school, and whoever wants to join me can join me because they had a lot of behavior issues that were springing up all over, and it was often with the same kids. After doing this for a few months, she said, Patty, it's just changing. The kids who've had the biggest issues, well, we're still working, we're developing, but they're calm, they're peaceful. Then she called me this April and she said, are you ready for this testimony? I'm like, yes, always. She said, the teachers union individuals were out checking all the schools at Bethel. They were doing tours and they came to this school. It was actually Prairie Mountain. And at the end of the time, they were sitting down with the staff and they said to them, quote, gosh, we've been in all the schools, but something's different here. Like there's just a peace. What are you guys doing in your environment? Now listen, I wouldn't know that testimony if we weren't connected. Jenny doesn't go to my church, but Jenny's a believer. What other churches wouldn't know that testimony? But here's the story. This is the united body of Christ seeking the peace and the flourishing and the well-being, yes, of families who don't have food, yes, of kids who are struggling in a school space, yes, of people who lost their homes in a fire, yes, of where you work. Our unity is the muscularity of the church. There's so many stories that we can share. Um, I'm just going to launch into, okay, where are we going from here? And how, how is this relevant for every single person in this room? First thing I want to say that when there's unity, when we believe and when we obey, we, we align, we've got a North Star, but there has to be ways that we can connect. And as we've collaborated with churches and, and, and people in the churches, we've come up with three objectives. And I think you've heard this before, but I think it's helpful. Together, churches, working as one church, we're going to pray together. So there's many things that we do as churches to pray together. One church one day is the main thing. Pastors meet regularly to pray. We do a pastor's prayer summit, community-wide worship. We pray together. We serve the community together through every child and coming alongside foster care, through school partnerships and Project Hope, getting into the schools and connecting long-term with the schools, Sheds of Hope, now Cottages of Hope, other initiatives. We serve together collaboratively as we pray and watch. We see where God's moving, and together we join Him there. And then we figure out how do we speak the gospel together. And we've been doing Overflow Hope videos and billboards and other things. So we're joining together in unity by praying together, by serving together, and sharing the good news together. That's how we're connecting. But now, who's connecting? It's not just pastors and leaders and through the organization of the church. We have been working for years towards this expansion. And I want to share with you this expansion that is just behind the scenes and about to happen. You see, the DNA for joining together in unity and actually functioning, operating in unity, the DNA is in every single believer, meaning you and I, Everyone who follows Christ has the Holy Spirit and the Word of God operating in them. And that is the DNA that joins us together in unity as we focus on Jesus and love one another and our community as he commanded us. Go ahead and uh, put up that first map. Now, for those of you at Community Wide Worship, we started probably pretty hard. You can kind of see that. This, all these little red dots that are uh, on this map, you see Junction City up here, Harrisburg up there, all those red dots represent churches. Now, those are not all the churches. There's only about 90 that are represented there. But those are the points where the saints, the believers, are gathered in a community. It's local congregations. Go to the next slide, please. And here we only have about 70 workplaces highlighted. So we've, we've asked for a handful, well, 70 people just to show us where are Christians working. And we know that there's a whole lot more than that. All right? So we've got places of worship, 
We've got workplace, and I'm going to share a little bit more on that. Let's go to the next slide. Then we've got people's homes. So there's over 800 homes represented there. So we are gathered in the church. We are then sent and scattered to be lights in our homes, in our workplaces. Next slide. Oh, is there, a, is there one that just has the, the schools? Oh, I we missed the schools, but that's okay. So there we go. If you, it's kind of hard to see, but the blue dots are schools. So think about this with me. At some point in time, every believer is going to be gathering in a local congregation. But where do we spend most of our time? We spend our time throughout a week in three arenas, home, school, and work. Home, school, and work. And we're moving to a place more and more. This is already happening, even in the stories Patty shared, but more deliberately empowering everyone who follows Christ at home, at school, and at work to be deliberate about connecting with other believers so that, again, we are lighting up the city in which we live. We are the church together. And we want that paradigm to become more and more clear because God is moving in these kinds of unifying networks all over the world. Patty and I were able to visit uh, England here in June. And in England, there's over 150 towns and cities that are joining together and doing unity work like One Hope is doing in England. And there's fascinating things that happen. So as we have opportunities to join together to extend the kingdom of God, I want to leave you with a few thoughts. That God is moving not only when we gather, but especially when we're sent and we're scattered. Where you work or where you go to school, God has given you that space. God has given you friends. God has given you coworkers. God has given you neighbors. And we get to be light. We get to be salt. We get to be the love of Christ wherever we are and where we spend the most time. When you go to work, it's much more than a place to go to work. It's a place where you're called to be. It's a place where you're called to bring the kingdom influence, to bring solutions, to bring the fruit of the Holy Spirit in just what you carry, bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, bringing the shalom of God to where you work. So God is moving in England one of the things that was fascinating, we heard so many testimonies of how the church is working together. They've done a really good job at mobilizing believers, sending them out of the church. So in all the spheres, in, in government, in business, in education, in the arts and so forth, we have believers in England and here in our community, but now more and more connecting, connecting and influencing so in 10 cities in England, because there are believers working together in government, believers working together in healthcare, believers working together in law enforcement, because believers are salt and light out in the cities, they found a way to partner all those entities together, and they created a suicide prevention hotline where there were 10... In each city, there were multiple churches that joined together that had churches be the first line of outreach for people struggling with suicide. They were open throughout the week um, until one o'clock in the morning, and those churches saw and effectively treated more people in those cities than the hospitals did in that time. And it was because the believers in these different spheres, in their workplace, they joined together. They were able to connect together and see the synergy on how actually operating in unity could actually bring healing to those struggling with suicide. It's just a wonderful how God is working in so many creative ways. So now as we continue to take steps forward, we're, we're specifically, and, and our friend and everybody's friend, Ethan Holub, and many other pastors and people were praying about 
this brand new step of workplace engagement, of connecting believers in all kinds of workplaces, in joining together to pray and to bring the influence of being encouraged in Christ into the place where you work, and then the principles of the kingdom. I'm just going to put this up really quick, and then we're going to pray. This workplace network that we're working together to create is a place where people can engage with others in the workplace to strengthen their faith, build authentic relationships with Christians in the workplace, and then expand your vision about what it means to live out your faith and calling in the workplace and community. And so stay tuned for more, and please pray with us as we're moving that way. One last thing before we pray. We, want to, we really do want to pray over you. Um, we're going to dispel a little, we're going to dispel a little myth today. We want mm. it to die. Yeah. We want to bury it here today. We're doing a little ceremony. We are not the most unchurched, darkest place. We're not going to agree with that lie anymore. We're not going to speak it. We're not going to come under it. Just not what it is. If that seems like a reality to you, then here's my, here's my request. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what he's doing, to see him in our midst. And this is so great. I'll, I'll give you this because it was wonderful. We were meeting with a group of, uh, oh, we were just meeting with a group of people about this event they were planning. And this Bible college president was saying, well, and you know, just, he wasn't even meant, emphasizing it, but just offhanded. Well, you know, and we're the least church part, you know, part of the, part of the country. And our, our city chamber of commerce leader at the table raised her hand and said, nope, we're not on that list anymore. So statistically, it's true. Whether we would have had that answer, I would have believed it anyway. But she had the data, and we are not any longer. And so I want you just, really, I, I just, God is moving. And um, whatever was is not what it has been. And we're in a new day in a new place, so eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. So should we pray? Wrap yes, up? we're going to pray. Amen. Well, we'd love to have you stand. Just really, honestly, guys, what we felt from the Lord, too, was you're the hope of the world. It is the body of Christ that is the leaven of the kingdom in the city. It's not about just getting people to church. It's about you knowing you're deputized and sent and commissioned. And you are actually so much more anointed and designed to reach the people around you than I or Joshua or Sarah. Like, you're made for them. And you're made to shape the sphere God's put you in right now, right now, whether it's a student or a workplace. And so we just believe God wants to just empower that afresh in your life. That's how we'd like to pray. So if you're open to receive from him, just maybe stretch out your hands, open your heart. So we're going to pray for that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to pray that you would be able to join together with other believers where you live, where you work, and where you go to school. Just before we pray, I just want to give this quick example. There's a doctor who's been in Eugene for 30 plus years, and he regularly gathers together other people in healthcare who are believers. And the last list that he compiled of doctors and people in the medical field that are believers, there were 20 people from 20 different churches. My point is this. If we're going to join together in unity and function together out in public, we're going to do it with people from other churches. So be looking for the believers among you. Be looking for them and how God wants to align you to encourage one another when you're outside of this gathering. Encourage and then demonstrate who Jesus is. Just love people. Just start there. Okay? So we're going to pray in those two ways. Patty, why don't you start and I'll close. Father, we just thank you for the calling on everybody's lives in this place. Right now, they're either called to be a student or someone in the workplace, someone shaping society right where you've planted them.
a parent. Father, we thank you. We thank you that is by design. We thank you that it is significant. Lord, I want to ask today that there would be a fresh impartation from the Holy Spirit to have a greater revelation of why you've placed them, where they are, and Lord, there'd be, a, there'd be a catalytic Holy Spirit unction upon them to see their workspace in a whole new way, to see their school, to see their family, to see their neighborhood. God, that familiarity would not breed contempt, but you would open our eyes afresh, God, to this community you've called us to steward and our part in it. So I bless, I bless every one of my brothers and sisters here this morning, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would strengthen the power of your presence in all of us, where we live, where we work, and where we go to school. Lord, strengthen the power of your presence in those places. Make us more aware of you. And Lord, I'm asking that you would connect us with other Christ followers in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and in our workplaces. Lord, would you join together the body of Christ in unity? Would you send us as lights into our community in greater measure that more of the light of Jesus would be experienced firsthand by those around us in miraculous ways and in subtle ways? But Lord, be constant through us. Be consistent. Shine through us, Lord in our workplace, shine through us in our neighborhoods. God, shine through us in our schools. Lord, empower us now and empower us into the future, a new future. Empower us now, God, into a new future that you've designed for us and the people around us, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, we agree for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I know prayer teams are going to be available. Yeah, if you need prayer, prayer teams are available. I want to encourage anyone, if you've got a need at all and you want prayer, come get prayer. If you're stirred about workplace or school, come get prayer. Come get prayer. God wants to meet you. There's more he wants to do before you walk out that door.